Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the Word. Hello and welcome to another episode, a special episode of the Dialogic Disciple Podcast. Uh, my name is James Johnson. I'm here with my co-host. Elizabeth. Not Nick, but also... But also we have a special guest. Nick Houston. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> Nick, One well, last back. time. Welcome back to the podcast, Nick. We've missed you. I know. I know. I hate it that I couldn't keep doing this. My schedule kind of got nuts. I'm glad that you found such a competent and suitable uh, replacement. Yes. You have uh, been replaced. I've been replaced. Been See, upgraded. it is kind possible. Ooh. I mean, definitely better looking. <laughs> Newer, younger model, I can say. <laughs> Look out. That'll come back here, around. Here we go. And we are off. So Make me throw things at you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick, this is, your, uh, this is your final week here at Northside. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to say on behalf of all of our Dialogic Disciple listeners, 12, 13, 14 of them, however many there are. We never could figure we that never, out, could we? We never could figure out, but uh, uh, we're going to miss you, man. We're going to miss you here at Northside, so I just wanted to say well, thank, thank you. you for your service. I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, it has been such a great experience to be here at Northside. It's been really fun working on little projects like this with you, um, being at kind of the center of this church in so much over the last 11 years has been a real honor. I mean, there's absolutely days I walk up to this building and I go, I can't believe they put me in charge of this. <laughs> um, so it, it really has been an honor and very humbling um, to be in this position. And it is wild as I've rolled out that announcement that I'm moving on the number of people that have reached out and, you know, said, thanks, you know, for, for, supporting my church yeah um yeah it it really has really surprised me and humbled me and that's great man i'm um, glad i'm glad people have reached out yeah um for elizabeth and i we are also losing uh our supervisor (laughs) (laughs) and a friend we get new bosses yeah Yeah. and uh yeah and a friend of course friend and a big brother a big brother well you don't lose that little brother (laughs) that's true thank you you don't lose that you lose a supervisor. <laughs> What's your address again? Um, you know how to get there. Who's that Nick guy? <laughs> um, so, Nick, what we've been doing on the podcast over the past several weeks is talking about the Beatitudes. Uh, and we've gone through most of them now. We've gone through six of them now, talking about the Beatitudes as a seven-step process to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. You've heard this spiel before. We've had this conversation many times. Um, and today we are at the seventh Beatitude, the final step, the completion of the process, which is, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Um, and so today I thought we would jump into that and uh, and talk about that in terms of how it's kind of a culmination, really, of of this entire process that we started all the way back with blessed are the poor in spirit, a poor in self, blessed are the meek, blessed are uh, those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the merciful, and blessed last week, uh, blessed are those who are pure in heart. Um, in terms of uh, just putting this in context, like some of what you've done here at Northside Church has been being a peacemaker. So I thought we could tap into some of your experience uh, as a peacemaker here at Northside Church, as well as talk about what it means in context of what Jesus is trying to say here at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. 
Let, let me ask. So let's start by asking this question. Let's start by asking this question. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? I'm struggling with that one because there's an element of being a peacemaker that feels like, uh, does it mean you're being a welcome mat or a doormat or yeah. like you're being walked over? Oh, um, what makes you say that? That say you're more. willing to be taken advantage of. Okay. That sometimes um, maybe not being a peacemaker, but keeping the peace can look like you just don't offer resistance. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, okay. I certainly have seen that in some personal relationships or dynamics where you know somebody doesn't really want to do something, but in order to keep the peace, they're just going to give someone else their way. Right, right. How do you, do you think that holds true um, in like a job like yours where you do have a lot of power and you have a lot of control, I mean, to a certain degree, right, in this place? What do you think it looks like? in that sort of position is it the same what i hope peacemaking is is finding the best solution to a given problem that there is uh, compromise there's conversation there's dialogue between all parties involved to achieve peace but i have certainly seen um peacemaking be acquiescence um that results in a peace but a very unhealthy peace. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good word because the kind of peace that we're talking about here is is um, a just peace, right? A mm-hmm. peace that is uh, equitable. It's not simply one person uh, gets their way and the other person is silent. And, and so, yeah, I've seen I've seen peace achieved, but it was not satisfactory to all parties involved. And and that's another level of what uh, Jesus is talking about here with peace. It's not simply the uh, it's not simply the absence of violence or the absence mm-hmm. of noise. Uh, it's a peace that is this surpasses all understanding. But it's a peace that is fulfilling and, and makes people whole. Right? It is a peace that brings about true completeness and healthy, righteous, just relationships. And I think to get to this place, this is, I think, as I said before, this is the final part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is what the disciples of Jesus Christ are supposed to look like, being peacemakers. Um, And as always, there's something else in the Sermon on the Mount that points back to this and kind of gives us an idea of what Jesus means. And we don't have to get very far in the Sermon on the Mount before we get to a little later on in chapter 5 where Jesus says, turn the other cheek, right? If somebody Mm -hmm. sues you for your shirt, give them your coat as well. Uh, and he says, literally, you know, don't resist an evildoer. And then he goes on to say, love your enemies. Mm-hmm. And all of that in the world's eyes can look exactly like what you just described in the sense of being a doormat uh, mm-hmm. or just kind of rolling over. But it's not in the sense of it is a, it's a level of resistance that refuses to use the world's methods to to come to those solutions that you're talking about. Yeah. And it says love your enemies, not acquiesce to your enemies or roll over to your enemies or whatever like love your enemies right i mean that's that implies a whole different mentality and that's what we come back to over and over again what is jesus trying to transform um the hearts of men and how differently you approach what peace looks like if you actually have an attitude within yourself of working with somebody towards a compromise that does work for everyone in those human relationships, um, not just I'm going to avoid violence. Right, 
right? Yeah. And that, and again, this is the end piece of the steps, right? So this whole process to get to being a peacemaker in the way that Jesus is talking about here, you have to start with being poor in self. In other words, selfless. You have to be meek. In other words, you know, you have to be humble. You have to have emptied yourself and realize that, you know, you're not the one who should be taking offense. You're not the one who, like, you are you should be at this point completely reflective and filled with uh, the Holy Spirit, with Jesus Christ. And so you don't have to win every battle. You don't have to win every argument. It's not even about that. It's And, and being a doormat, it may look like that to the world. But the question is, are you holding up justice and righteousness? You know, are you... Are you being someone who is pure in heart? It becomes less about being a doormat for yourself, but making sure that other people are not doormats as well, right? <laughs> Stepping out and speaking up um, for those who are in that position and, and creating peace, uh, being a peacemaker. I mean, makers of peace. So I do get interested in what it looks like to not be the doormat version of a peacemaker, to be the peacemaker um, with justice and righteousness in mind, but also that doesn't um, doesn't turn violent in pursuit of justice and righteousness. Right. Um, I'm trying to. I mean, outside of Jesus, obviously. Yeah. Whoa, <laughs> a great example, but where, where are ways in which we are able to be, what does it look like to be a peacemaker sure. who has that mentality, um, who is not a doormat, but who is still able to, I don't want to use aggressive terms, but I can't think of not aggressive terms, So <laughs> you know, to hold your ground or whatever, to stand up for yourself, to right um or, or or is that really not what it's about at all if you've gotten to the point where you've emptied yourself and you've humbled yourself that you may be taken advantage of and that's something you've got to deal with well, and that and there's some truth to that i think i think that's what we see embodied in jesus to use the ultimate example like he's willing to die on the cross rather than bring down the army of angels right he, mm -hmm. he's willing to do that and that's not just because he's destined to die on the cross for our sins but he's in he is he is showing us what the kingdom of God looks like. He's showing us what peacemaking looks like. But if you wanted to point to two more recent examples, um, oftentimes people talk about the nonviolent resistance of someone like Gandhi uh, in India that causes you know the, the British Empire to allow India to go free. Mm -hmm. uh, and then even more recently, you have a guy who's shaped by Jesus, who is Martin Luther King Jr., who very much believed in nonviolent resistance, but spoke up and was very much resisting uh, things that he saw to be unjust or unjust, but was not violent about it. And you can mm -hmm. juxtapose like his method of doing things versus a, a group like the Black Panthers or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, he absolutely refused to use violence, but did use things like marches and letters and speeches and things like that in order to expose how, just how unjust and violent his circumstances were. That, I think, is a, a model that you could point to as somebody mm -hmm. who was a peacemaker. It sounds to me like the, the key is it's some form of action. Definitely. There, there is a doing component. There is an action mm. component. Maybe even you call it a service component. It's not a, a not doing nothing. It's not a doormat. It's not a rolling over. Um, even like you're saying, even if it does 
it can look like that, but it's not actually that. Anyone who has the eyes to see, right? Who yeah. has the ears to hear, they can see the action of God in a, in a disciple of Jesus Christ who is nonviolently resisting. Mm-hmm. And so to, so to go back to what I was talking about before, later on in the Sermon on the Mount, you get this passage, and I want to read it, um, and then I want to talk to talk to you guys about it, as this is Jesus giving us an example of what it looks like to be a peacemaker. So this is from Matthew chapter 5, just a little bit later on after the Beatitudes, uh, starting with verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Maybe that's where the, you know, the transformation thing comes in, because if I'm doing all of those things and I feel like I'm just acquiescing and giving in, then that's the problem. That's when it's not peacemaking. If I'm carrying that feeling of offense Mm. or doormatting inside of me while doing those actions, then I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. Versus if I am able to carry out those actions with a true mindset of love, service, sacrifice, all these things, with a mission, right? Like not to prove a point, but to actually like feel those things in my heart for the person, the other person, that's the transformation. That's the point. I think, I think that's a large part of it, and I think that's what we see the disciples do in the book of Acts after Jesus is ascended into heaven. I think you see that in Paul. Um, just I think just uh, today we read a passage out of Acts in our Route 66 that, uh, you know, Paul gets beaten and arrested uh, along with uh, his traveling companion. And while he is in prison, they're praising God, they're singing hymns, they're praying, and then there's an earthquake and the doors open and, and, all, you know, and, the, and the soldier comes in and he's like, Oh man, everybody's away. Everybody got away. He's going to pull out his sword and kill himself mm-hmm. because it's e- it's easier for him to die right there than it is to suffer the consequences. But yet Paul and his buddies are still there. They're like, "Hey man, don't do that. We're here. Mm-hmm. We didn't go anywhere, right?" And as a way of like they were they were willing to stay in prison even though it appeared as though God had given them a way out just so this guy didn't get in trouble. Wow. I mean, they they were laying their life on the line to save their enemy, the guy that was putting them in prison or the guy, you know, and the the effect of that is that the guy falls down to her feet and is like, what do I got to do to become like you, right? Mm-hmm. That that kind of resistance, uh, nonviolent resistance has a very powerful effect. Even these things that Jesus talks about here, now th- th- this seems like it could be like a random list, but these are very, actually, this is what Jesus is giving us here is a, is a strategy of nonviolence. So, and not to get too deep into it, but in the situation where he says to turn the other cheek, the, the idea there is not that you just take the beating. It has everything to do with trying to expose the violence that somebody else mm-hmm. is putting against you. When he says, you know, when he says, um, uh, just for instance, when he says, if, if someone forces you to go one mile, go with them too, that is a direct reference to the, the law of the land that said that Roman soldiers could grab any random person who wasn't a Roman citizen and force them to walk a mile with their backpack and their sword or whatever else, but they could not go further than a mile. If they went further than a mile, then the Roman soldier would get in trouble by their centurion, by their leader, because it was mm-hmm. one mile, right? And so Jesus, what is he saying here? If someone forces you to go to a mile, go two miles. And then you have a situation where not only are you putting the soldier at risk of getting in trouble, but because he doesn't want to get in trouble, you it's a ridiculous situation where you've got a Roman soldier basically begging a nobody be like hey no please man give me my backpack back because if you don't i'm gonna get in trouble and that kind of like that that kind of activity 
is nonviolent, but yet exposes the violence mm. that is that is being uh, you know visited upon these people. That's what the cross of Christ is about. Ultimately, is exposing the violence of the world to the Son of Peace, to the one who brought peace to the world. Um, so that's that's kind of the nonviolent resistance. It's not about mm-hmm. being a doormat, but it's about finding ways to resist that are faithful to the the peaceable kingdom. So one thing that's occurring to me is that it may seem almost easier in a way to live that out in big ways than in small ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think maybe the more trivial pieces of life where we should still be modeling Christ's example become a bit more difficult to pursue because we think that, this, you know, the stakes aren't as high. Right. Um, so it's one thing, you know, it's Gandhi. Um <laughs> to be on this huge, you know, national, international right, stage, right. Um, you know, living faithfully that way. Yeah. But another thing, when you figure out who's taking your lunch out of the office fridge. Right. <laughs> Look, Nick, I'm sorry. Dude. Has that happened to you? Um, I mean, y'all know I don't eat lunch here, so. <laughs> because it's always been taken. It, it hasn't. <laughs> um, no matter how hard I've tried, I don't eat lunch here. Um, but yeah, I think that probably I have to think harder about what are the little ways yeah. and the little interactions um, where I need to model that behavior yeah. um, for a day-to-day impact and not just think about it in terms of big, big global events. Yeah, this is the way I'm going to revolutionize you know, civil <laughs> rights. The term that came to mind when I was thinking about this earlier was frustration tolerance. I heard that term recently, like in relation to teaching children, you know, like you have to, we have to build frustration tolerance in children, teach them how to like learn how to be okay in situations that are not to their liking, you know, like in order to be a successful adult in the world, like you're going to have to build up some resilience to things Mm -hmm. that frustrate you. And I thought about that, like in relation to myself, because like, you know, it's if you're frustrated all the time, right? And that's what you're talking about, those little moments. Mm-hmm. And if I have a really low frustration tolerance for the moment when someone takes my, my food out of the fridge or someone needs this from me at the wrong moment, I am not, I'm not being a peacemaker. Like I am not, I'm not doing that. And so that's something that I think we have to build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's difficult. Yeah. Well, again, I think. Like I need that lesson, not yeah. just children. <laughs> I need to get my daughter enrolled in that for sure. Um, and again, that's why this is the end of the process, right? Being a peacemaker is, it comes after the other six steps. Um, not, not to say that we can't do that on the, on the meantime, but, but there is a level of like refusing to act out of offense is, is where we become truly a, a peacemaker. And I think maybe one of the best places that, that, that can be practiced on a daily basis, like is in traffic. Yeah. Where, especially 100%. here in Atlanta, where you are getting cut off or someone's speeding by you or, or whatever else might be happening out there on the highway. Uh, and it, it is so easy to get angry and so easy to get uh, to react in offense uh, on the highway. But what does it look like to be like, you know, welcome to the community of the left lane? I know you just cut me off, but I'm so, so glad you're here. I, uh, Lily turned 15 on Friday. Happy oh, birthday. Happy birthday, Lily. So, uh, we were at the Department of Driver Services at 1230, <laughs> and she obtained her learner's permit. God wow. bless you. And, uh, Good you luck, know, my friend. What a in, time of life. In retrospect, I've done a thing that's not very Christian, but one that I hope will keep her safe. Um, 
her first driving lesson, I started with one thing that you need to realize and assume is that everybody driving around you is an idiot. (laughs) And they are going to do something that could possibly put your life in danger. Right. So I need for you to assume that everybody you see around you is going to do something wrong. (laughs) That was my mom's response when I begged her for my, because she wouldn't let me get my learners until I was 16. And that was her thing. She was like, it's not you that I'm worried about. It's everybody else on the road. I don't trust them. Right. Yeah. But I see now I need to go back to her with an amendment because we're trying to make peace with the people (laughs) on the road. It's empathy. It's creating empathy for people. That's really the key, I think. It really is. It really is. It's, It's seeing other people through the eyes of Jesus Christ. And and seeing seeing uh, people as Jesus Christ, you know that's kind of what you know. The step before this, the blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's what Jesus is talking about. Like it's not that you will see the face of God revealed out of the sky or up the top of the mountain in Moses, but you'll actually see God in other people. Then you can begin to respond to people as though you were responding to God. Well, I'm pretty sure I can make peace with God, James. <laughs> But this guy going 35 in the fast lane. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know if I'm there. Like, I'm not going to. I don't see Jesus when I look at you, but I can make up a fun story about why you're being an idiot and then try and have some empathy for you there. There you, you go. You know, like, well, that's that, my strategy. That always, that, that it always uh, makes, it reminds me of the uh, David Foster Wallace piece. Uh, yeah. It, 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 this is water, right? It's a great commencement speech that David Foster Wallace gave a long time ago. And he was giving it to these, you know, kids who just graduated from this liberal arts college. And the whole point of it was like, what do you actually learn in college? Like, you, you learned a bunch of information, a bunch of facts and stuff. But what you actually learn in college, if you're paying attention, is how to think. And that you can control what you think about. Like, you have, as a thinking being in the world, you have this amazing ability to actually focus on the thing that you want to think about. For the most part, most of the time. And when you are in, and he actually uses the traffic metaphor, like when you're, or example, when you are in traffic and the guy in the big SUV cuts you off and blares by you at 100 miles an hour, you got a choice there what to think about. You can think about him as being, you know, a selfish prick who, who is just, you know, doesn't care about you or the safety of anyone else around him. Or maybe, like you were just talking about Elizabeth, like maybe you can say, well, who knows, like maybe he's trying to get to the hospital. Maybe something's gone terribly wrong in his life. Maybe the reason why he has such a huge SUV is he was in a serious car accident with a smaller car, and he, you know, he's he's afraid to be on the highway. There's a million other ways that you can choose to think mm-hmm. that will actually bring peace to you in that moment. I don't think that's very far from what Jesus is saying here or what the strategies should be for us be nonviolent, have empathy for other people and truly be peacemakers. And it just, it highlights the importance of community and interacting with people around us and listening to people. Like I was in a situation earlier and I had someone told me like a sad story and it, it was kind of in relation to some of the stuff that's been going on in the world recently. And it was just something that I had not even thought of. And it was like, I, you know, a reason that this circumstance, this affected me in this very personal way. And I was already on like that side of that particular argument, but it was like, Oh, I I didn't even think about it. Like I didn't even think about it that way, but here's a human being. And because like, 
you know, it, it was a humbling moment for me because I almost like this person asked me how my weekend was and I like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I almost like walked out with my coffee, you know, and then I was like, oh, well, that's rude. Like, let me ask this person how their weekend was. Mm-hmm. And then I got this really sad story, but it was like, you know, like it was also eye opening, you know, and it was like, wow, I didn't think about it that way. Right. And it was a, it was a good moment that we got to share. And yep. I really appreciate that. And now like I can move forward, like thinking about that and my mind has been open. So just, it was a, a humbling moment for me to remember how important it is that we listen to each other and stop and listen, stop and ask questions and be willing to hear someone else's perspective. So I hope this comes out well, but we'll cut it out if it doesn't. No, you're just a guest now, so I don't. I don't. I don't don't get special edits. (laughs) I, uh, I, you know, I have uh, the joke with me has always been that I am not a particularly empathetic person. That I'm not exactly the guy. Not exactly the guy that you want visiting the hospital on somebody's behalf or coaching you through a difficult emotional (laughs) crisis. Um, you have a 15 year old teenage daughter, so that better change we're quick. We're just in the middle of emotional crisis. Oh, and Diego dumped her. No. Yes. Oh, I okay. thought she was gonna get Diego. there first. But, Diego but I digress. You, you oh, criminal. I know. I know. Um, but our times. Not I have, as a result of that, tried to intentionally be more thoughtful and empathic and. I try to I try to do a little more. And that. what I have found is that I actually do care. <laughs> <laughs> Mind were blown. You, uh, were you worried that you didn't before? Um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that the truth comes out here at the Believe it or moment. not, Nick has not cared. It about is a anything. skill that can be practiced. <laughs> like I I, they're, well, like you said, you know, it would be rude not to ask them how they're doing. I would find myself in a position where I might fail to yeah. reciprocate the question. Yeah. And now I find that it is more reflexive than it was at other points in life. Look at you and learning and growing. I'm not, you know, running away for fear of an answer. Right, right. I do want to know. Yeah. And that takes time to figure out. I'm glad that Northside could finally get that right out the door we got it has it has molded me man it has really i mean i i wrote it in a couple of different places really personally professionally spiritually this church has absolutely made a mark on my life and who i am yeah um and trying to be a pastor i mean that's not officially the job but but that's what it's been you work for a church so you're the pastor to the staff you are you are the pastor to the staff Um, exactly right mm -hmm. so yeah so as it turns out, I'm not just faking it. I actually do care. <laughs> but only in like the last month, right? <laughs> <laughs> turns out I was a Christian the whole time. Well, and that's why I'm now going somewhere else. <laughs> I have achieved perfection. <laughs> or as close to it as I'm going to come. And now Nick ascends to the right hand. And I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that we can all get there someday. 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 After 11 years. That's what it takes. Some know, people have been here a lot longer than that. <laughs> We're all unique. We're all on our own path. We're all on our own journey. I might be here until I die. <laughs> Nick, as you, as you do now wrap up here in your final week, do you have any 
any final words of wisdom for the Dialogic Disciple podcast for Northside Church for for me as your Padawan (laughs) this is actually an exit interview I do feel like it is appropriate that there would only be 12 listeners to the Dialogic Disciple podcast Uh, (laughs) Um, a sacred number but I I I think I just want to see Northside keep up the good work and find ways where it can do more Um, you know this church is in a really incredible position with resources Um, and I think that we do a really good job of making stuff available inside the walls of the church. Yeah. And I would love to see the church make more stuff available outside the walls of the church. Yeah. I have described this in a few different venues now, and so I'm not going to waste this opportunity to say um, I like the idea of an unavoidable north side. Yes. A church that is so active in the community, you can't move into this neighborhood and live in it for a year without interacting with the church some like kind of way. Like almost an annoying level, like just like Northside Church. Yeah, like it's just always there. Always there. Um, because one of the ways that um, some folks talk about church development um, is that you don't want a church that could explode overnight and the community around it not miss it. Right. Um, if the only people that miss this church, if the church wasn't here, was the members of the church, then we're not doing the gospel quite right. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Um, Amen. So what are the ways that we can do to be part of the community? Um, you know, we've had this counseling center um, kind of in the works for a while now. is proving much harder to pull off than I imagined to begin with. Um, but that's a way that we'll eventually offer some opportunity for the community to interact. I think that's a real mission, like mm-hmm. that real mission field right there. Yeah. Here in our own community. Um, you know, we're now a polling place. It had been years and years and years since we had done that, but I think that's another way where people find the church that might not typically find it. I've got mixed feelings about that. I was going to say, mm-hmm. that is... <laughs> I know. When I read that in your newsletter article, I was I, I was humbled again a little bit. I was like, all right, I... Because I had an issue with it, too. Like, I've walked in here on Tuesday morning. I wanted to just, like, rip up all of the political signs that end up on our yard because it makes me so mm-hmm. angry. But I hear that. Like, I, I, I hear that. And yeah. that's... And by the way, if you there. do find Absolutely. political signs on the property, please do remove them. They are legally placed. We can take this out. But the, it's the it's that strip of grass right by our sidewalk. Yeah. I can rip them up there. Mm, you know I'm pretty what sure. do. I think they're too close. Okay, because it's like 500 yards within a... Yeah, or 500 maybe, feet or maybe something. Maybe on those days that we do polling, maybe we make up our own political signs and say Jesus for president. Oh my God, can right we there. do that, yeah. please? Well, and that is something that we need to get creative with because yeah. we do have these people coming to the building and I don't want to actively like stand in the line and ask people to stand in this water have they accepted Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. <laughs> <laughs> but we could certainly have some strategically placed signage that's interesting we during that process that. when is the next okay. voting day um <laughs> november the 8th not soon enough i am now excited <laughs> you've got you've got a few Nick months to pull something it. together you know every day is a voting day if you're voting for jesus there you go so, <laughs> kingdom of god um well nick i think you've been a i think you have played a huge role in getting our church pointed in that direction and moving us down that path of being unavoidable and of being a a church that not only serves the community, serves the people who mm-hmm. attend this church. Um, your service here, truly, truly, if you were to explode tonight, we would know that you that you were gone. <laughs> and it is, since it is you that's leaving, you would truly, truly, truly be missed by the people here. And I, I will say one of the things I'm excited about in this transition is that I am going to a new role, and I'm looking forward to that. But um, 
I certainly did not want to leave and leave Northside kind of like, what are they going to do next? And so it's really cool that we have already identified the person to replace me. Um, and I'm getting to work with them for a little while before they start. Yeah, that's good. And awesome. is it going to be a perfect transition? No. Um, but I feel much better about it knowing that somebody's identified versus me yeah. stepping out and not knowing who was going to take on the role. Right. Um, so that helps me feel like, you know that, what, God, like you, you made, got this. You made a little mm-hmm. piece right there. It feels mm-hmm. like what you did there. Yeah. Well, you know there's always a place here for you at Northside Church. Well, or is there? I know it well, and no, there's stuff <laughs> that there? there's stuff I've been working on that I'm gonna have to come back and see finished. Yeah, good. So I'm like what? I'm not planning on being a stranger. We got new Christmas decorations last year, <laughs> and I want to see those go up. Nice. Eventually, this counseling center thing is gonna happen. Yeah. I want to yeah, see how good. that turns out. Meet that person. We're working on um, elementary age appropriate rooms that's for exciting. children's I don't ministry. Even know what that means, but it's exciting. Um, Tiny furniture. Oh. No, that's preschool. Oh. This stuff Bigger is going to be. There you go. <laughs> um, so I want to see that turn out. Um, so there's lots of. Excellent. You know, we're talking about putting a back porch. Oh, yes. I want to see that finished. And yes. that might not. I told Bill I'd have it done by Thanksgiving. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull it off. Uh, um, preschool's working on a new playground. Nice. Um the life of Northside. So continues. yeah, there's always there is always something going. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I gotta go back and check it out. And then I got my cool friends to hang out with. Who's that? Of course, <laughs> nobody in this room. <laughs> oh. <laughs> One thing I want to say that I appreciate about you, I'm realizing in this moment, is that you bring an element of like play and fun to this staff. You know, like, I think that is an important thing. Catherine, I know, is in this, like, clergy play group, like, learning mm-hmm. how to play. And I think this ties into using our imagination and using that for God's glory. And you bring a really cool element of openness and fun and play to the staff that I think is really important. And I appreciate that a lot about you. And I don't, I, I was never, like, scared to walk into your office and ask you something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that out of my own nervousness, maybe. But, you know, like... You're not like a no guy. Like you're a reasonable, like I always knew that you would at least like consider it and make a reasonable decision. But like you have an energy and a level of joy about you that is really important and has made a huge difference here. So I'm really glad that you picked that up because I hoped that was something that people would get. Um, I wanted to be approachable, Um, but I do know for a fact some staff members would say that I absolutely put my foot down on some things. And you never they, let me get that Lamborghini. They very clearly the understood what was off off limits, you know, like that yeah. was not going to happen. Um, and so I, I don't know if it's exactly right in terms of being a peacemaker, but it definitely felt like an element of being a peacemaker meant that I was going to be willing to compromise, that I was going to be willing to have conversations, yeah. that I was going to be interested in hearing from all sides, um, you know, particularly when it comes to church resources and different departments Absolutely. and what do you want to do and yeah. you know everybody's concerned about what's fair well so and so was getting this and I didn't get blah 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 yeah um, and so I wanted to be sure that I was not in a position where somebody could say well you're clearly favoring James Johnson he gets whatever he wants and we never get anything no that's definitely true definitely um, true so I, I never got the Lamborghini. I so tried to be sure, but never a Lamborghini. <laughs> no. Um, I was going to put a Northside logo on it. it <laughs> follow, follow me to the church. That's yeah, right. Come follow me to the church. All right, Joel. 
That's exactly In right. his dreams. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're out of time today. Nick, thank you so much for coming back to visit us one more time. We uh, all, we give you our prayers, our, our, our thoughts, and, and blessings to you in the next stage of your life, and we hope that you'll come back and visit us as often as you possibly can. Thank you. I look forward to it. Elizabeth, thank you for joining us today. And, it's been uh, fun. North we love side. you, buddy. We'll see you next week. Peace.